quick. I bet you. Then, I bet your so, jumper looks better than Morikawa's did on uh, on yeah, Netflix. Yeah, I I can comfortably guarantee you, uh, without a doubt. I yes, uh, there are some guys that can shoot out here though. Danny McCarthy, I've seen him shoot. That guy can shoot. He's not very tall, so definitely a good choice. He went with the golf, but he can stroke it. Maybe today's the day I break 80. Want the ball to draw, but it keeps on fading. No OB and no bogeys. I gotta keep it on the 80. It's the gold. Would well, you hit it on one? Straight up the gut, baby. Now I got a wedge on my short game cravings. Little bit of edge on the sport makes gravy. So punch out the rough and tune to break 80. Break 80. Break 80 listeners, we have a special guest for you tonight. That is Andrew Novak of the PGA Tour. Uh, welcome, Andrew. Hey, thanks for having me on. Yep. Coming to us from where? Dominican Republic this week? Yes, I'm in Punta Cana right now. Oh, Just nice. got in. Living the, living the dream, Tim. He travels almost as much as you do to play golf. It's, it's a, that's a hard today, life they have on the tour. <laughs> today was excessive, man. I went from Tampa through D.C. all the way down. It was a long travel day. <laughs> oh well it's if it could be worse it could be in minnesota under like two feet of snow still yeah i'll take the 80 degrees here over that all day did did you pull a hoagie and do just regular old business class or was yeah, he so, even just coach i'm thinking this could be a good week man i, I was and uh, i got the free upgrade today i got the first class upgrade Whoa. i guess i've been flying enough but yeah that was that was a nice one to show up to the airport and find out about nice well is this your second year on tour? Second full year? Second full year, yeah. Second full year on tour. So I guess we'll let you kind of uh, give us your story from Raleigh, North Carolina to the PGA Tour. Uh, yeah, yeah. I Honestly, I didn't even really play much um, when I was a kid in Raleigh. We moved to Charleston when I was like seven. Oh. Um, so that's, that's kind of where I grew up. Uh, nobody in my family played golf. Uh, so I really didn't have like anybody to go out and do that with like when I was young, you know, four or five, six years old, I did show an interest in golf. Uh, like I had like plastic clubs or I might've had metal clubs, but like, like, you know, like us kids clubs or whatever, by the time I was like six or seven, but I'd go out in the yard and hit like plastic wiffle balls for a, like long enough time that it was definitely outside the range of what like attention span of that kind of kid or age kid should be doing. But uh, it probably wasn't until like seventh or eighth grade. Uh, it, was, it was seventh grade. It was seventh grade. Uh, in South Carolina, you can try out for the high school team at that age. And I tried out and wasn't even close, got cut. But it was just kind of something that I had fun with. And so I was like, you know what? I want to get better at this. So I started like practicing from then, uh, working to get better. Um, started working with my coach, who I still work with, uh, Scott Rosenthal. And I mean, I couldn't. I couldn't break a hundred from like the, the four tees, like the farthest up tees, like no chance. Couldn't break 50 for nine holes. Um, my short game and putting was all right because that's kind of all I ever did, you know, like chipping around the yard. My hands were decent. And I don't know. Putting, I guess was natural, but I don't know where I got that from, but 
uh, I just had to basically learn how to swing a golf club. So once I got a coach that actually was teaching me like what you're supposed to do with a golf club, um, my scores dropped pretty quickly because the getting the ball in the whole thing wasn't too foreign for me. Uh, so by I started doing that in like seventh grade. By ninth grade, I could break 40 from like the men's tees on nine holes. And from there, just I, mean, I was working, working hard. I kind of caught the golf bug. I just never really stopped. Nice. And then uh, on to college at Wofford, mm-hmm. where I see yeah. that 2017 was quite a year. Southern Conference Player of the Year. Yeah. And maybe, maybe more impressive, according to your PGA bio, Intermural Basketball Championship. Yeah, I'm really Wofford. proud of that one. Um, <laughs> you know, it was it's it's on it's honestly like more than that too so the way wofford did it it's it's such a small school um you know there's you sign up for the thing usually it's just one league uh because there's you know all the fraternities have a team and then there might be a you know a few others but i guess this year they had a few like there's a couple different fr- like freshman teams and stuff like that and so they actually broke it up into two separate leagues and so we were in ours you know it was like six teams in our league or whatever and so we play through the year or whatever get to the playoffs and we go ahead and, and we win the championship so we win like our t-shirts whatever for, for yeah. that um it, it was our team was basically the golf team it was, it was all wow. of us so we were you know it was, it was good team bonding and uh then the other team that won the other division uh started to run their mouths to us a little bit and so uh my buddy texted the intramural director. Basically, it was like, "Hey, can we get some refs? We need we need <laughs> to run this back. We need a tournament of champions." And we took them down too. So we were we were the true champions of Wofford that year. Nice. nice so watch idea. out, watch out, Century World of Champions, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Watch out, Hawaii. We, we had we had more wins on the basketball court than on the golf course. I think that year. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know this. This is no longer on the bio but i have to bring it up because i think we talked before this and you might have been misquoted but they used to say there was some quote about a a mix between jr smith and uh a couple other shooters in the nba it was was, a great quote yeah jr smith yeah jj reddick and draymond (laughs) green were like the aptitude draymond green i don't know i i got a quick trigger i mean uh there's not many shots that i see that i don't like uh, I don't hit them maybe at the rate that you're supposed to, if you're just letting it fly from everywhere, but you know, it's, it's a confidence thing. And, and I think that's good to have, especially, you know, on the golf course putting. Uh, but yeah, if your hands down, I'm letting it fly. Volume shooters has, uh, like it. Has uh, uh, JR reached out? Not, yeah. not high efficiency. Uh, it's streaky. I, I can get streaky. You know, I'll hit, I'll hit three, four in a row on you real quick. I bet you. Then, I bet your so, jumper looks better than Morikawa's did on uh, on yeah, Netflix. Yeah, I, I can comfortably guarantee you, uh, without a doubt. I yes, uh, there are some guys that can shoot out here though. Danny McCarthy, I've seen him shoot. That guy can shoot. He's not very tall, so definitely a good choice. He went with the golf, but he can stroke it, and he can putt too. And you can putt yeah. too. So it's a shooting and a putting thing, which must be a tour only thing. Because I, like I, I, I think it's a bit of a confidence thing, man. I think uh, you know, because I played basket. college basketball and only shot threes. That's all I did. Yeah, and when it comes good. to putting, that's, easily that's, the worst part of my golf game, without a doubt. All, <laughs> I don't know. 
That's all I did to shoot threes, man. I couldn't jump. <laughs> so, so, so Andrew has uh, has Jr. reached out yet? He's he's just what North no, Carolina, right? No, no, yeah, he's uh, NCAA and T, I think. No, I've never met him. I think he's he might have been at like a pro am when I was at the tournament one time, but I didn't get to meet him or anything. I bet you, if you okay. wanted to play golf with JJ Reddick, you could probably message him because he's like a golf nut now. So, and my mom went to Duke for grad school. So I grew up a Duke fan. So JJ Reddick was like, you know, I was like nine years old. He was like kind of my first like athlete fandom uh, growing up. And I think we do actually have like a mutual friend, like in the golf world. So maybe one day it could get yeah. set up. Like, I don't think it's completely unrealistic, but He's yeah, that would be a cool one. I, I, I think, you know, obviously I follow him now with, the stuff he's doing in the broad or not really broadcast, but uh, ESPN analyst world, whatever. I, I think he's great. So yeah, he's a golf. How uh, how can we make this? Uh, how can we make this threesome happen? You, JJ, and Jr. I mean, <laughs> yeah, the three shooters. Be a pretty good one, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. It'd be weird being the best shooter in the group too. I don't know. <laughs> it also said on the bio you were on Sports Center top ten plays. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those NCAA's my junior year. Um, I made it in as an individual, and uh, we were playing. It was the Tuscaloosa Regional, so Alabama's course called Old Colony. And the 18th hole there, really long par four. And I'd driven it in the left rough, and there was a pin, like, way in the back of the green. And there's, like, like the green's, like, flat, and then there's a shelf, like, to the back. And the pin was on the back shelf. And just over the back is, like, water. So I was playing for a jumper, didn't jump. And so I was literally probably 40 yards short on the very front of front edge of the green. One of the math professors at Wofford took my height and like tried to like do it off video. He came up with 109 feet, but uh, yeah, the media team got me making that putt on video. and That was pretty ridiculous. I mean, that's pretty comfortably the longest putt I've ever even attempted. I think <laughs> In a golf tournament, and of course, it happened to go in the hole, and the camera happened to be running at the same time. So nice. Um, I think I was I was number four that day, and and LeBron was number five. So hell yeah, just Doesn't another basketball player I can one up. <laughs> yeah, you got a you got a list going. Um, so after college, then what's what's the process like getting to the PGA Tour? Uh, for me, it, it definitely took a little bit of time. Um, I went up to McKenzie tour in Canada first. Um, so I did Q school for that in the spring of my senior year and uh, got my card there. So went and did that in the summer and did not play well. Um, I learned a lot. Uh, I started great. I, I made the first four cuts, had a couple top twenties. I think I was doing pretty well and then like missed seven of the last eight cuts and like thought I had the driver yips, but just found out I was a being an idiot playing with a crack driver for two months, just <laughs> being dumb. But like I said, learned a lot. So um, that was a good lesson to learn there. Um, and then, so I went to Q school, got my corn fairy card once, you know, I realized that I didn't have the driver yet. So I just needed a new driver. And, um, I missed at final stage by like a couple shots. Uh, so I didn't get any starts, but I ended up Mondaying in three times early in that year. And so I got like a couple cuts made there. So I shuffled all the way up to where I basically played like the back half of that season. 
uh, but did not do well. So I had to go back to Q school. Same thing happens again. You get to final stage, missed by one. But luckily, the first term of the year was Exuma in the Bahamas, which is like dumb expensive and super inconvenient. I mean, it's literally where they had that fire festival documentary, if people remember that. Like it is middle of nowhere on like a random Bahamian island. And so I snuck in like like second to last guy to get into the tournament. And I ended up top 25-ing, which got me into the next week. I made another cut. And then I snuck into the Bogota event because they had two courses there and finished like fifth. So I got into the next week. And then by then, like I reshuffled. So I got the whole year and finished, like I I retained my card that year. So I finished in like the top 75. I think I finished like 60th or something on the season. Uh, So I didn't have to go back to Q school. I kept my corn fairy card for the next year. And then that next year is when I won uh, like early in the year, but then COVID happened. So it turned into a two year long season, crazy marathon. Um, But that was the season I got my PJ tour card on. And then so, last year was my rookie year. So. so going through those first few cuts through those those first Monday qualifiers, how are the nerves? Because you're you're coming off of really yeah, stressful times straight know. into more I, travel and stressful times. Like yeah, it was it was pretty stressful because I didn't know if I was really gonna be getting any starts. Um, but for whatever reason, I've always had like really, really good success on Mondays. Um I put my Monday resume up pretty much against anybody, like maybe period or um, TJ Vogel or somebody, somebody like that might, might just clip me, but uh, I Monday in, I don't even know how many times now. Uh, I think like, I guess those were only three Mondays I had to do on corn ferry, but I think I'm Monday in like at least five PGA tour events as well. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I guess something about just showing up and just trying to shoot as low as I can was, was fine. It was kind of do or die. Like you just got to go do it. I was going to um, say you show up cold to some of those too. Like you don't even know, don't even know the course really. You just show up yeah, and play. Kind really. of? No, I don't know. I don't know really where that came from, but I just kind of always had it. Like, I mean, I Monday in three times on corn for that year. I think it was in like three times in five attempts. Like it wasn't even like, yeah. like I just kept ripping them off. I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't know what it was, but, it's definitely I'm glad I was able to do it because if I didn't do that, I definitely was not going to be getting um, nearly as many starts as I did, especially because I shuffled in after I was able to make a couple cuts. And although I didn't keep my card that year, I think that experience and seeing those golf courses was massive for the next year when I was able to, to keep my card. Now this year has been big, right? I mean, you're not having a Monday at all anymore. You, you move way past that. We've got T17, T12, T69, T20, oh, T29. Yeah, for PGA Tour. Well, because I yeah. played poorly last year, I'm not in a very good category. So um, I definitely uh, – uh, there's a, there is a chance of it. But because I played well, I'm at the top of my category. But, like, there's situations. It's, it's like I'm in such a weird spot. Like, I got in the Players' Championship, but I'm actually not in Valera next week. So it's, <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I'm like two out, but it's because of the category I'm in, because I didn't play well last year. I finished in the 126 to 150 category, which slots in behind the corn fairy category. So uh, I don't get priority, but players championship filled in after exempt players by going off current year FedEx cup, which was much better for me because I've been playing much better this year. So I was able to, you know, jump ahead of guys that, 
otherwise are prioritized ahead of me and just standard events. Some of the stuff is so bizarre to me. Like I've talked about this on our podcast before, whether it's that yeah. or they give so many exemptions to guys who, you know, former PGA tour players that are like, mm-hmm. like a John Houston, who's like 60 some years yeah. old. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. why wouldn't they just reach out to like, like, they talk about like the Island tour, like this week, you're going to see some names, some serious blast from the past names. Uh, yeah, JJ Henry's in it. I saw JJ's on the list. Yeah. JJ's I've always dude. thought, why wouldn't they give like, like a few weeks back when Corn Fairy was kind of on their month long break mm-hmm. when it was in uh, Puerto Rico or whatever. Is that yeah. Puerto Rico? Yeah. yeah Why wouldn't yeah. they give a couple spots to some of the top yeah. Corn Fairy guys? We've always what, talked about that. They always, they yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, I think it would be a cool little bonus. They did it like one year. Uh, I don't even remember. They did it the year that we had the two year long season as like a bonus because guys weren't going to get their tour card because they weren't giving out tour cards that first year. So they did it. But then it was still like stupid because Puerto Rico, the guys could play, but there were like other ones like this week, like Dominican. They could have played it because it was like, oh, yeah, you were high enough up like you could do it. But nobody's going to do that because they'd rather just play the Corn Ferry event to maintain because you want to maintain standing on Corn Ferry. Like if you skip that one event and that's the difference between you being 25 and 26 on Corn Ferry, like you're going to look like an idiot because then you don't get an entire season, you know. So, yeah, it was. I don't know. It's it's tough to do that because you really just like the, he, there's even an example this week. Ryan Blom, he Mondayed in to Dominican. He's not playing this week, which I not really sure I've ever really seen that happen before. Hmm. But he Mondayed in and thinking he was not going to get into Savannah on the Corn Ferry event, and it's the uh, the number moved in Savannah, and he got in. So he is not playing here. He is going to be playing in Savannah because um, I, I think somebody was saying he may not have made a cut yet. And so he wants to make a cut. So for the reshuffle, I can you know guarantee that he'll get starts for the rest of the year. Now there's got to be somebody that, that's on a, on a major medical for like the third year that can pull up as an alternate to get out yeah. there. That's, that's 55 yeah. years old or something. No, it's, I don't even know. I mean, I, I can probably look and tell you, but yeah, the, the alternate <laughs> list is, it's probably pretty far down at this point. So, yeah, you're, is, is you're there... up to 102nd in FedEx Cup points, I see. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Tim. I was going to ask, just coming out of the Corn Ferry Tour versus the PGA, is there a different way that you play? We always hear and have interviewed a couple guys on that tour. It's you shoot for birdies. You you play aggressive, and you kind of hone that back a little bit on, on the yeah. tour. Yeah. Have you seen um, that? As... I don't think... I don't think you necessarily hone it back. I just think that on the PJ Tour, not all of them, but definitely some of the courses offer less holes that you can really get after. Um, Corn Ferry, there were rarely, like maybe one or two holes a week, where you're like, I'm probably not birdie in this hole. Like, I'll take my part. I've got like 16 other holes that I feel like, you know, if I hit good shots, I got a pretty decent chance of birdie. PJ Tour, you might have five or six holes each week that at least two of the four days, pin placement wise, you're like uh, just 30 feet and get me down into like, I'm not making birdie here. Uh, so it's, um, I feel like you definitely see a lot more guys on Corn Ferry. Like every week, somebody's shooting 63 on Corn Ferry, even like, even some of the tougher courses because they're just, they don't get as firm. The rough's not as penalizing. Like you can kind of get away with being slightly off or, or, you know, getting get away with 
maybe a couple of shots were on the PJ tour, like you're not really just going to hit it in the rough and, and make birdies still. So it's, it's gotta be everything. So well, let's uh, talk about, say, go ahead. I, I was just going to say overall, like the consistency of the difficulty in the sense of like firmness and rough is the biggest change going into the PJ tour. So speaking of difficulty, I think, are the last two weeks Sawgrass for the players and Innisbrook the toughest back to back? But you gotta go three. You gotta go three weeks. Arnold Palmer, I think. Oh Arnold yeah, Palmer Bay, might Bay be Hills tough too. Hill. Yeah. Um, so the, but yeah, the Florida you, like, swing. even even before that Honda, like Honda's brutal. Like there's just crap everywhere. Like literally everywhere. It's you cannot. That is like the most stressful. I, I haven't played Bay Hill yet, but Honda's got to be like the most stressful golf course I ever played. Like there's not a swing where you're. There's not a shot on that course that can't just be instant double if you mess it up like bad enough. Like there's just trouble everywhere. So uh, I think that, I mean, that's kind of Florida golf. There's going to be a lot of water uh, and, and things like that. But yeah, I would say this stretch is definitely some brutal golf. And Sawgrass, this is your first players this year? Mm-hmm. It was. What was that experience like? It was good. Uh, I would have liked to have played better than I did. I got off to a horrible start and just like refused to make birdies. Uh, I just hit the ball awful. Uh, I couldn't really string anything together. I felt like I putted all right at times, but I just never really was putting for birdie and and not really from anywhere near the hole. So, and the wind, the uh, wind, the wind got up, right? Yeah, wind got up, but I just felt like my good shots just didn't really turn out that great. My bad shots were pretty penalized. Like I think part of it was just being first time around and not really knowing what I was doing out there, I guess, uh, on, on that course. Um, definitely, definitely some ins and outs of that place that, uh, that I can learn over the years. But I think, I think it is a very good course and, and I had a lot of fun with it. The fans were unbelievable that week. So. Tim, you got any questions about Sagres? I I have one. No, I, I, I mean, I, we didn't see him on the uh, balls in the water feature. So, uh, I went in the water on 17 first day. You split splashed it. <laughs> yeah, it was it was like fluky. It was so stupid. I, I had I had the I had a gap wedge in my hand, and the guy in my group, it was a front like the front pin, like Thursday pin that Hayden made the hole in one two, but we had to go back Friday morning because uh, we didn't finish. And so that was like my first, literally like my first shot of the day. Like I think I started my first shot or no, my first shot was putting on 16. So my first swing of the day was 17, which is not fun at all. <laughs> um, and I had a gap wedge in my hand, but it was supposed to be downwind. And a guy in my group, like I was hitting, I guess, third, probably your second or third. Anyway, the guy hitting right before me is sand wedge instead of a gap wedge. And from our point of view, it looked like it went over the green. It actually like hung up in the rough, like on top of the wood. But he basically he had a sandwich over the green. Didn't quite go in the water, but I mean that's a hundred and forty something yard sandwich. And so my caddy and I decided to make the switch to the sandwich instead of hitting the gap wedge, and it came up short. So I don't know what that guy did on his sandwich, but yeah, it messed me up. I the where the pin was it was not like a good play to go to the drop zone so i just grabbed the gap wedge and hit it again from the tee like right on the green which is what i should have done in the first place i guess 
I guess my thought on Sawgrass is, at least when you were watching it this year, when if there's no wind and they get a little bit of rain so it's soft, is it that difficult? You know, everybody, everybody talks about Sawgrass being so difficult, but those guys on Saturday when there was no wind, they kind of yeah. tore it up. Yeah, I, yeah, and definitely like our wave got kind of screwed a bit. It didn't matter for me. I was I was so far off the cut line, but definitely I know the guys in my wave like got whipped pretty good by that. Um, yeah, I, I don't think Sawgrass like if you get Sawgrass those green soft, they were rolling so perfect. You're gonna make birdies, um, but the wind out there just caused so much indecision, and there's so many like penalizing areas around that place. You got to be playing from the fairways. Um, all those factors kind of added up and it, it got tough, but it was crazy seeing like some of the differences from mornings to afternoons, like how, how much harder that place could get quickly. So it's, it's also said about the players, they kind of roll out the red carpet for folks. Did you have a, overall, did you have a good experience outside of the course as well? Absolutely. I mean, it's the, Absolutely. They, treat, they treat us very well. I mean, they, they call it the players champion or players championship. Like, it it really was. I felt like for us, uh, I thought they treated us great. Um, they treated the families really well. Uh, had, you know, had a nice locker set up there, and it was good. It was cool. I got to do like a little press conference. They do like a first timers press conference. Which was pretty cool. Nice. What what else is included for that kind of the red carpet rollout? Is it is it meals in in the clubhouse? It's obviously it's gorgeous. Yeah, there. yeah. I mean, we um, we get meals every week. Um, but the food was great that week, but it just. I don't know. They, they treat us well every week, but that week just kind of felt a little bit more so. I mean, we had, you know, they never show me on coverage and they had every single shot of mine on camera. So, you know, if I had family that wasn't there, they could still watch me play every hole, which that just, that doesn't happen every week. So that was definitely pretty cool. And then you go, and then you went right to Innisbrook, which is another brutal, brutal test of golf. Made the cut. You had, did you shoot even, dead even for the week? Yes. Yeah. So that's that's good playing on a, on a track that's looked hard as hell. Yeah. Yeah. I drove it great and I, I putted really well again. Um, just kind of struggled with some of the irons and, and the part threes gave me fits, but I thought I put together a pretty good week for not quite being on with with the irons. My short game not being really as good as uh, I'm used to, but definitely definitely very happy with the direction the driver is going. Nice. Um, I have a good, I just have a general tour question. Do you guys do a lot of players watch the TV coverage if you're teeing off later to kind of get an idea of like the golf yeah. course conditions? Yeah. If, if I got an afternoon tea time, I'll definitely be watching in the morning, like seeing how certain holes are playing to certain pins, seeing what guys are doing. Um, it may not always translate. Like it's typically just going to be softer in the morning than, than when I get there, but still seeing certain breaks and, and how guys are playing holes can be beneficial and carry over for sure. Kind of going off, off Mike's question a little bit, we we see that there's certain circles within the tour, at least that's how the TaylorMade ads make it seem, right? All the TaylorMade guys <laughs> hang out. Forgiveness guys? <laughs> yeah, they're all <laughs> they're all getting the forgiveness. Um, are there certain like social circles within the tour that you've experienced? Are there certain guys that you hang out with most? Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, they're, they're definitely like groups of guys that, that hang out or have their typical practice rounds or, or, or groups. Um, I feel like, I mean, it was that way on Corn Ferry Tour, too. I mean, everybody, I mean, I feel like it's, 
if if you're in an office place or something, there's going to be, you know, groups of friends or whatever. Yeah. That too. It's your job. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I feel like I'm with the Sea Island guys a decent bit, you know, playing with them back at home and, and seeing them on the road and, and stuff like that. But um, yeah, no, it, it definitely, definitely is, uh, we, we call it clicky a little bit. I mean, not, not in a bad way, really. Cashmere Keith, he's a Sea Island guy, isn't he? Yeah, Cashmere Keith, he's a lot, man. Oh my goodness, <laughs> he, I think he's loving this new moniker too. So. Oh, I, I could, I could tell he <laughs> plays it up. He's, his Instagram has like yeah. him getting ta- fitted with tailors and stuff. And that guy, that guy. <laughs> I see Putra is giving him the fancy shoes now, trying to play up the whole deal. People don't know what they're doing. They're just feeding this ego. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Who else is out at Sea Island? Stuart Sinks, you Sea Island guy. No, no. Stuart, he went to he went to Georgia Tech, but I think he's in Atlanta still. Oh. Uh, but they got uh, JT Poston, Brian Harmon, Pat Kazire, uh, Michael Thompson, Jonathan Bird, Ben Griffin. Uh, who am I missing here? Definitely missing like multiple people. Zach Johnson, if I said that. Davis Love is there. So yeah, it's it's a it's a big crew. We've talked about it on the podcast before because Tim is trying to play the top hundred public courses and he's played like 40 or something but sea island is like it's brutal to stay to stay and get on the golf course it's like 1300 dollars to play basically play around a golf there it's like oh my god i mean the resort is awesome and i love the island but yeah they they will bleed you dry there (laughs) for sure it looks i know it's awesome i know it's gorgeous down there but but yeah, if, Sandy, if you can get it, like, honestly, like, this time of year is, I'm guessing, eh, overseas probably about to start coming out. Like, it's it's a really good time of year to play there. This yeah. is when they had it marked up, so that makes yeah, sense. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I, I kind of figured. The sawgrass, yeah. the sawgrass, the Sea Island leg of your uh, top 100, Tim, yeah. is going to, you got to work some overtime to, to that's put be, in for that one. That one's gonna be painful. That's like a four, that's a four grand trip right there. <laughs> I, think, I think sawgrass is... It's. I think Sawgrass is going to be the first one to hit a thousand for a round. I mean, that place yeah. is, it is getting insane. up there. It's getting crazy. Well, I, I we kind of followed your movement a little bit too, from Raleigh to Charleston to College to Sea Island. Now, I gotta I gotta ask you, kind of in the the hot wing central versus seafood area. Did you ever <laughs> go to TNT Hot Chicken back in college? TNT Chicken, where is that? That's that's right in your hometown. It's been there a little while. Are you a big wing guy, or uh, what's your food of choice being in the South? Uh, I mean, I'll eat anything, like seriously. But yeah, no, I mean, I I do like hot wings. Is TNT is that like a, a is that a chain or is that? I, it's it's something that's right by the the college, and I went, oh my god, if I was going to stop, right by Walford, that's where I would go for it's by Walford. Yeah, it's by Walford. <laughs> Man, I don't know that at Walford. I used to go to this wings place with a buddy of mine called Chiefs. Because they had like uh, two for Tuesdays, we can get cheap wings there. But no, nah, I'm, I'm not familiar with that one. There were a lot of good places to eat in Spartanburg, though. Sneaky, like you wouldn't really think it, but they there were a lot of a lot of decent spots. Um, you put, but yeah, you put, I mean, I, that's one of the coolest things about traveling is I get to you know get food everywhere. So like, like barbecue is pretty good in South Carolina, but like I've also played golf tournaments in Kansas City, so I know how good it can get. Like, you know, seafood is obviously really good in Charleston, but I've also had, you know, sushi out west, like on the coast there. And so, like, it's 
I'm pretty lucky with with getting to travel, getting to eat some pretty good food. And you came here by the 3M last year, right? I did, yeah. So did you get did you get a juicy Lucy while you were in town? That's our big uh, Minneapolis like known food. I'm gonna be honest, I don't even know what that is. All right, so if you, if if you come to the 3M this year, the Break 80 podcast will have to take you out and get you a juicy Lucy, which is like a cheeseburger like a drink. <laughs> I know a cheeseburger <laughs> almost. Yeah, almost. They, but they put the cheese in the middle of two patties. But it's like it's not like a double patty. It's like squeezed. It makes one patty. So when you bite into it, it's like hot cheese oozing out. It's just a good version of a cheeseburger. Basically, yeah. that's, that's like that's yeah. our staple thing here. Yeah. Is, it, is it like on a burger? Or is it like a patty melt? Like, no, it's a burger. It's just a it different okay. way of doing it. But it's like what we're. Yeah, I mean, I'd, for, right? I'd yeah. go for that. I mean, when it, you know, when I, when I was younger, my dad grilled burgers. He would he would roll the meat, he'd roll the cheese right in the right in the uh, we call it, in the patty. So yeah, it's just like home. We'll have to drag we'll have to drag Andrew down to Matt's bar, Tim, and to the original Perfect. home. Now we're now we're we're uh we're really determining is it is yeah. it Matt's or is it five eight? I don't know, but Matt's is pretty slumming it up. I don't you know it's not it's not normal your normal tour tour life stop. <laughs> yeah. As long as I don't have a tea time too early next morning, I gotta be able to move. But yeah. Hell yeah. Well, yeah. We gotta do it. Last year at the three M, the break eighty podcast, we were with uh we ended up caddying in the pro am for the four play guys, and then uh, and then Callum Taran, you ever golf with Callum out there? Yeah, of course. Yeah, I played a lot of golf with Callum. He was in our group, so then we, we were like, well, "Let's go follow Callum today on the actual normal mm-hmm. round." A week on Saturday and Sunday, we followed him, and he was on fire. I think he ended up top ten, yeah. and he was like, "Keep following." We're like, "All right, why not? What the hell? What do we got to lose? We're just drinking beer." And so yeah. we're, maybe we're maybe we're the lucky charms. I don't know. Yeah, well, follow me, please. Hell yeah. <laughs> Take a top ten. Heck yeah, yeah, you could do it there. That one's that's a go low golf course. A lot yeah. of times, I played decent there oh. last year. I had I had my moments. I don't know what I finished. I probably finished around like thirty or something. It is amazing though. We played there. Well, you didn't, Tim. Jeff and I with a uh, a kid on my used to be on my high school golf team. That's like kind of like he's a professional, but not anywhere near your level. And we went. We played as far back as TBC would let us go. We went to all the back boxes about two weeks before. Holy cow! I did seventy nine for me. Seventy nine for me. Which is which is I'm a I'm a dead scratch right. I'm exactly at Mm zero point zero right now. But and I hit it. I thought I hit it fairly far. You know, I'm I'm six five, so that helps. But geez, you know, playing where where we typically play, and then going back to play where you guys play from, I'm like, I have some of those holes, man. Some of those holes, like like if you go to the back box on like seventeen, like yeah, that's cool, but. We don't play the back box every day. Yeah, like maybe one of the four rounds or something. But like, um, you know, uh, it depends on the setup. But yeah, it's that course got pretty healthy. I think like a lot of it, it's pretty exposed to the wind out there. So I think, like, depending on certain wind situations, you might use the back tee versus the front tee on some holes. Like, you know, if they're running next to each other. Um, but yeah, that's. That was a pretty healthy golf course. I think yeah. the fairways did firm up a little bit, which made it a little bit more manageable. But I do remember that place being pretty long. But like, yeah, it's like I, I just I remember leaving thinking, "Holy shit, I've never hit so many three woods into all the par fives and like, good lord, hole two from the back tee, Tim is <laughs> is just the across water, the road. The water across the road yeah. is ridiculous. <laughs> when you just go out there with buddies and play up, you know, whatever, let's say like 6700 yards, you hit like an iron and like a 
I don't even maybe even a wedge from that back box. It was like driver. It was into the wind. It's like driver four iron. Yeah, Wyndham Clark was in the group in front of me. I think he hit driver lob wedge. <laughs> he just he sent it over that bunker. Mm. Stupid. We had his caddy on the pod um a little while ago. So Wyndham loves loves it here apparently at the three M. So we're gonna we're gonna have to go out to the three M a bunch, Tim. We're working on media passes this year. There you go. Hopefully that happens. Well, um, what else do I got? We don't want to keep too much of your time. You got practice. I, I, well, we're talking about what we're all, all looking forward to, right? It, hoping you're come up, coming up for the 3M. Uh, hope that's in the, the cards. Are there any other events that you're looking forward to the most? Uh, like anything that really suits your eye being from... Yeah, I mean... Being from the like Southeast. I grew, in, I grew up in Charleston, so like I've always wanted to play the Heritage, but I've, it's an invitational. I haven't gotten the invite. And I was hoping maybe this year, you know, they'd look to a South Carolina guy. Um, but then I think they got, I'm pretty sure they're elevated this year. So with, with my uh, priority, I'm not really sure how much I'm going to be prioritized for that since it's elevated. There's going to be a lot more guys playing this year. So we'll see if, if, you know, if I can get into that one, that would be really awesome, but uh, not hold out hope too much there. Um, You've got your eyes on one of those, one of those great blazers. Yeah, seriously. It, I don't know. They, like Wofford, uh, Wofford alum always buy out like one of the tents and they always have a crew there. It just, it would be a home event. Like I'd have family there. It, it would be a lot of fun. Uh, and I think it's a course that I could play pretty well at it. Uh, you know, if I'm clicking, it's not terribly far off the kind of course I grew up playing. So um, I think there are a lot of factors, but definitely that would be one of one of the ones I'd be looking forward to. Um, outside of that, I, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe Colonial because I was there all week last year and and didn't get in. I was like second alternate, um, but I think this year uh, with how I'm playing, I've got a pretty good chance of getting into that. And that course looked awesome. I remember those greens were just run, running so perfect. So I think that would, that would probably fall under a list of cool ones. And also, if I can qualify in the U.S. Open, LACC looks unbelievable. Yeah. I've never played there, but I've good. like some of the guys that play the Walker Cup uh, there, I've talked to them, and they just like rave about that place. You played Brookline last year, didn't you? I did, yeah. How, what, how was that? That looks sweet. Yeah, that was awesome. Uh, that course was unbelievable. It was so good. Um, the rough there was like just so brutal, so hard. Um but yeah, for a first U.S. Open, that's like all I could ask for, really. Like that's the exact kind of golf course you you want to play in a U.S. Open. Um, I felt like you it was kind of perfect. Up. Way. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. Like, like no offense. Like I I actually enjoyed Chambers Bay, like watching it. I thought it was very fun. But like, if that was like your first U.S. Open, that'd kind of be like a little bit weird, you know, because it doesn't really come off. It's a U.S. Open course. Um. So yeah, it was. It, it felt like you know a true U.S. Open. Yeah, I love Chambers Bay. By the way, I played it, and yeah, I think no, I, no, it doesn't get nearly the credit should. I think, I think they, you know, if they can go there for a Presidents Cup, Ryder Cup, or even a PGA, like out there, I think, I think it'd be great. Um, from everything I've heard, they've kind of fixed the green situation they had going there. So, yeah, I think, I think that place getting another shot would be really cool. And you kind of mentioned a, a tie-in back home. We're always curious as guys that go out and play our home course, you know, shooting like in sometimes in the 60s, 70s, 80s. Um, if your home course, if you went back to it, uh, first off, what was it? How do you think you'd shoot now? 
if you went back, that first place that you couldn't necessarily break a hundred at? Uh, so that would probably be Charleston National. I mean, that would be like my first. I wasn't like a member; it was a public course, but I did work out there, and that's where my coach was at. Uh, so I would I would claim that place, but it was a public course. It wasn't like great, but back in the day when it was first built, it was actually intended to be like a great golf course. And then a hurricane kind of blew it up, but they had all these like kind of secret tee boxes. Like you could stretch this place to like 7,500 ish, like from like all the way back at sea level, or maybe 7,400, 7,500. Like, like I'm not kidding. You could, you could make this place play so long. Like there were holes like, like seven was a par three, like the men's tees would be like 175. And then the back box would always be like 195. But there was like a back tee where like you could kind of go in and around a corner and they never had like the brush cut down. So it actually would have been like a dog like right. So not playable. But if they clean that out, like it could have been like 235 with like water on the right edge of the green, like a brutal hole. So, I mean, if I shot in the 60s from back there, I would be really happy. But <laughs> I also never played from back there. If I played from where I played, you know, growing up, I could probably do some damage out there. You this is favorite... sneaky good. This oh, is a Reese Jones. You're looking yeah. it up. It was... So, well, that's the thing. So it was designed. I don't even know if he claims it anymore or whatever. Like, because so when it was designed, it was designed to like host like massive tournaments. Like they had. Some of the guys I've talked to, like older um, players that played the mini tours back in the day, remember the place from back in like the early 90s, like literally like whenever Hugo came through, Hurricane Hugo, that's what blew up the golf course. I think that was like uh, 92. My Charleston history is not great, but uh, guys remember it from before when it was like they didn't even have a clubhouse. They had a trailer. They remember the place being brutal, but Hugo basically destroyed every bunker on the golf course and took out like thousands of trees. And it basically just changed the entire dynamic of the course, which it's still a fun course to play now, but um, it's not quite what it was when it was like initially built. Do you have some favorite non, non non tour courses, just general? Cause I've always contended like all these TPCs kind of look the same, you know, like, a lot of the tour courses. Do you have any that are some maybe classic country clubs that most people don't get to see ever on TV or, or some of your favorites? I mean, do you want like underrated or no, just like I, the best, the, your off. favorite, your favorite. Okay. Golf well, course. I mean, I've played Marion and oh, nice. That place is so unbelievable, but I also played that in the same trip as playing a course that I played in junior golf that I wanted to get back to uh, called Lancaster country club in Pennsylvania. Yep, and that place is also super slept on like crazy underrated and i mean it still gets i think it gets ranked like top 100 still um, oh yeah they've had yeah, US they hosted women's the women's events yep. exactly they've had u.s women's opens there that place is unbelievable like we played there in marion back-to-back days the greens at lancaster were faster now the greens at marion were perfect and they were but lancaster was like like actually ridiculous i mean it's just like a random you know thursday or whatever it was so yeah, I would definitely put that as like one of my most underrated courses I've probably ever played. Definitely, and I definitely like when people are asking, I definitely throw that one in there. When you when you is that three M the only time you've played in Minnesota here in our state? Uh, it's got to be. Um, I think so. I, I don't know. Really, no one else would have been up there. I think. I think it is. I think honestly, I guess that's probably the only course I've played in Minnesota. Then, 
Yeah, well, we have some. We have we some play, decent private ones. I think we play Wisconsin's tournament in college, so I've been up there. But yeah, that was my time there. I only have one more question, Tim. Unless you got another one. I I have the last question, maybe. Oh, because mine has to, mine's the big question everybody's been talking about in professional golf: the golf ball mm-hmm. and rolling it back. What are, what are your thoughts on this? I mean, the USGA can kind of do whatever they want, I guess. But just to me, it seems just like a cell phone if they do it. Like, I I don't see the point because the tour is not going to adapt it, like adopt it. And the manufacturers aren't going to adopt it. So basically, we're just going to play with a local rule every week where we just play with our normal stuff every single week, except for the US Open and the British Open. And then the USGA and the RNA are going to have to pay somebody, not one of these ball man or equipment manufacturers, to make their golf balls for that week to give to us players for free and not make any money off of them because you're not going to sell a ball to like an am like, hey, this goes 15% shorter. You want to hit this? No. Like, I just, I don't, I don't see the point in what they're doing. Like, yeah, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me, like financially at all. Like I get they're trying to I don't know, make golf harder or make I don't know. I, I I just don't get the whole thing. Like there's a few holes maybe that are affected, but like if you hit it offline, you're still going to get in trouble in most places. Like Valspar wasn't that long, I didn't think, but it held up just fine. So I I don't know why you have to change everything just to maybe fix a few holes um it just it seems like trying to fix a problem that isn't necessarily as big of an issue as people think i I don't know i think if if you if somebody gets in the gym and and they do the things they do and hit the ball far why why should that not be rewarded if somebody in the NFL or NBA puts a ton of work in to get better at something. And, and they do like, they probably should get a little bit of an advantage out of that. I, I don't know. And don't the longer hitters, aren't they still going to hit it longer with this ball anyway? Like they're still going to have the same. I mean, yes, they will, but I, I just, I don't see the point of why we have to play a separate ball and, and do all of this. Like, I, I don't know. It, it just seems like, a lot of effort for something that I still don't understand why we'd be doing. Timmy, what do you got? Final, final question. I'm, I'm just going to say this on the golf ball. I just found this distance. Don't take it away. Oh, you? <laughs> uh, Every last... time Tim thinks he's catching up, I, and then he'll, he'll use size as a, you're way bigger than me. It's why I say, look at Rory. Look at Justin Thomas. Well, I'm a big guy, and I don't hit that far. So. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate that for my own stats. Uh, I th- last question. Made a mention in one of your bios that you'd have a different first T song each week. What would your yeah, extra was, song be? That the players they were asking us. Yep. Yeah, so, what I would your it. exit song be this week? And uh, can we get around the trademarks to put it on this podcast? <laughs> This week, I don't know. I think the players, the question they asked was that, but I, 
I, I'm the guy that's like superstitious about it. So I'd be rolling with like, if one worked, I'd roll with it the next week. So if I made the cut last week, I'd probably be rocking with whatever I had last week until I missed the cut. And then I'd probably switch it up. Um, I suppose last this, what's, what's most on repeat right now on, on the, on uh, the Spotify. Right oh man. I listen. Uh, I listen to some music that we probably don't want the kids listening to. Uh, oh, is hip hop guy. We hip hop uh, yeah, rock. I actually, I was listening. I've been listening to a decent bit of Lenium recently. Cause I got, I played with him at uh, Pebble Beach. I got paired with him. He's a EDM guy, but kind of enjoyed his stuff. Uh, but it is definitely a little bit different than what I typically listen to. I listen to like, you know, some some deep hood Chicago rap. I mean, it's there's I nothing better than coming up to the country club with some some deep oh, rap yeah. on. Oh yeah, you, oh yeah. You two guys, guys are younger. Right I'm gonna tell you right, right now. 90s hip hop. Yeah. If you if you put on 90s hip hop starting tomorrow, I I can I can tell you I, I on my plane today I was listening to a guy that zero of your listeners have ever heard of. So if, <laughs> if anybody has heard of the guy named Ide, great, great, good for you. So no idea. If you yeah. put on some 90s hip hop, probably win this week, and you're into Augusta. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 90s hip hop is where it's at. It's, it's just drive you. Well, we appreciate it a lot uh, coming on here. We took way more time than uh, we probably intended to, but um, best of luck this week and the rest of the year, and hopefully we'll see you up in the Twin Cities here. Awesome. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thank you. Maybe today's the day I break 80. Want the ball to draw, but it keeps on fading. No OB and no bogeys. I gotta keep it on the 80. It's the gold race. Yeah, you hit it on one. Straight up the gut, baby. Now I got a wedge on my short game cravings. Little bit of edge on the sport makes gravy. So punch out the rough and tune to break 80. Break 80. Very, very, very